You are tuning in to the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, or known as GEM. This is the Little Caesars Pizza Special Edition Upload. Little Caesars Pizza in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, where there are three locations within the community and many more locations nationwide. Little Caesars Pizza is the largest carryout pizza chain internationally. Convenient, delicious, and cost-effective is a brief yet simple way to describe Little Caesars Pizza. You can order online through their user-friendly online pizza portal. Why wait any longer? Get on those phones, download the app, or get on your computer and make that order order right now the game sports show and gem thanks little caesar's pizza in particular little caesar's pizza in sioux st Marie, ontario for its support booyah and it's time for the game sports show it is your host david mckay jr bringing you yet another special edition upload powered by the game entertainment and media and sponsored by little caesar's pizza in particular special shout out to little caesar's pizza in sioux st marie as well as little caesar's pizza canada for this edition it will be just yours truly being your host for this upload now let's get to our little caesars special edition guest now i'm going to get into a lot in this introduction so sit back grab your slice of pizza perhaps your nice cold brew which maybe could be from northern superior brewing company in sault st marie ontario or just your general cold brew or a nice glass of wine water or whatever tickles your fancy this guest is a former fourth round pick 121st overall in the 2001 NHL entry draft to the Detroit Red Wings he's an alumni of the Sherbrooke Casters where he spent four years in the organization and major junior he has played in the ECHL AHL KHL Liddell Austria Slovakia even Asia where in Asia, he won the Asia League Championship most recently. Oh, and of course, he also played in the National Hockey League, where he donned the jerseys of the Vancouver Canucks, Buffalo Sabres, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Between the NHL and other professional leagues, he strapped on the pads for 643 total games in the regular season, with 109 total playoff games in the professional level between North America and overseas. On top of his professional output, he also contributed at the international level in the Canada U18, three years of the Spangler Cup with Canada, and two years in the Japan Cup, with a total of 10 games internationally. And at the international level, he won three gold medals, two at the Spangler, and one with the Canada U18. Fun fact, in his six registered games in the National Hockey League, he averaged under a 2.40 GAA and approximately a .92 save percentage. For the Manitoba Moose, this tendy set the franchise record with a 2.17 GAA, surpassing Corey Schneider's and tying the record with a .922 save percentage, sharing with the Moose himself, Johan Hedberg. He was twice named a second-team All-Star in the American Hockey League and is the AHL Top 10 All-Time Wins as a goaltender. And if my research serves me correct, he scored an AHL goal during his time as a goalie as well. He is proudly from PEI, who owns State of Mind Goaltending, known as a true goalie, journeyman now retired and whom had some wicked pads with his time with the Leafs the one and only Drew McIntyre Drew how's it going and welcome to the show wow that is one uh that's that's impressive that's uh my career my career is not easy to follow but uh you nailed it you taught me things there with that introduction (laughs) honestly we'd like to say we do our research we're definitely take our pride knowing that we don't 
follow a script, but let me tell you, I didn't memorize that. If so, uh, honestly, I'd be very gifted if I was able to memorize all that. I had to do my research, and you had a very impressive career. So I wanted to make sure I gave everyone the opportunity to enjoy not only trying to hear me not really take a breath through that introduction, but just to hear the stories of your career, and it's uh, fantastic. I'm happy you appreciate that. I take pride in those long introductions. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, really impressive. Thank you. No, definitely. Now, before we dive into the show, where, of course, as I mentioned from the top of yours, uh, myself and yourself, uh, I know we're going to be diving into a great deal, of course. Of course, my introduction say that, but growing up and playing hockey in PEI, it's a beautiful spot in Canada. Uh, fellow Ontarians will agree that when I, when I say uh, how aggressive we are with our hockey development here in Ontario is really putting it lightly, especially from what I can recall in my younger days. But PEI is a passionate hockey area. And I want you to share how it was then and now. And maybe if you want to go back to that kind of the childhood, how it was in PEI uh, in terms of your development as a goaltender. Uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, man, it's, uh, I've been all over the world now, but obviously everybody has an attachment to their home, but, uh, this is a beautiful place, uh, scenery wise. And also just, uh, the people, uh, people are awesome, small town. Uh, it's a good place to grow up and you get taught a lot of good values. And, um, my father was a goalie comes from a family of 13 and I, uh, (laughs) Oh. <laughs> it was clear. It was very clear from day one what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a goalie just like him. And he had he had some brothers that were goalies, and some of my older cousins were goalies. And uh, it was just I, I would go watch my old man play uh, old timers at ten o'clock at night, and uh, he'd let me stay up, and I'd be the only kid out there just watching. And I, I, it was so clear what I wanted to do. So uh, fun place to grow up. We were on the ponds just like you would in Ontario, but. Um, on the ponds after after school and uh, the differences in PEI is that you know everybody you're playing against <laughs> no matter where they are on the island where you know in Ontario you have so many people to play against you don't even know who they are but anyway uh, really cool place to grow up that's for sure definitely no and I've never had the opportunity to travel there but that is a that is on the bucket list if you will to be able to go down and visit PEI and I've had to have many friends that have had the opportunity to go down to PEI to go to Nova Scotia and visit that part of course of Canada and certainly MVS because it's uh, it's definitely very very beautiful and that's no offense to Ontario I think Ontario is a beautiful province but there's just something about PEI and I've also heard nothing but great about British Columbia as well but so I got to try to make my way to both spots but I have my on the map, if you will, to uh, go to PEI. So that's great to hear about the overall background there. But officially diving into the topics of the of the show, if you will, you and I talked briefly prior to recording our mobile devices. And of course, that included kind of us just having conversation, but then as well as dealing with the difficulties of our online recording program that we're using. But we'll save that for another time. <laughs> so one thing that I want to dive into is what you were doing and what you're doing now. Uh, State of Mind Goal 10 I want to dive into that right away, get the plug-in right, in there, right away, also to kind of explain to our listeners what that's about and what's going on in Drew McIntyre's life post-hockey. Yeah, thanks. Um, I started goalie school four years ago, so I was still playing. I was playing in Europe at the time, in Germany, and um, knew that my I knew that I didn't have too much longer, didn't know how much longer, but um, I ended up scrapping a few more years out of there, but um Wanted to get something going just in case uh, my career did end um, sooner than I hoped. And 
started goalie school started really small probably the first two years were very small just a couple camps but um we do a goaltending school that's specifically for goaltenders goaltenders of all ages all skill levels um it's just it just hasn't been a thing an area of strength on the island um we haven't pumped out goalies at all so um it was it's kind of a goal of mine is to kind of establish some goaltending and turn this place into a hotbed of goaltending hopefully someday and um so state of mind uh you can tell by the name i do a lot of work uh, on the ice but we also do work off the ice as far as uh, my sports psychologist that i had in my career um we work on the mental game at every at all of our uh, summer camps and yeah it's been a real real cool experience i've loved it um a lot of hard work but it's a lot of fun and uh, it's something that I'll continue to do um, post-playing. I'm, I'm kind of in the resume, uh, sending out my resume phase right now, so I will be looking to do something on top of that. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's a great side gig, and who knows, maybe I'll keep it going. Uh, I mean, I will do it all year round now. Um, to what degree will depend on what kind of job I get. The big thing is when you mentioned, this, obviously you said it in the state of mind, is obviously the mental aspect, even off the ice. Inside hockey, athletics, even the workplace, school, anything in life today, it's finally, to an extent, being recognized the mental side of sport or any of the other topics that I just mentioned there. You know, and that inside being a goaltender, there's such a great deal of pressure, right? You're the last line of defense. We've had other goaltenders on the show that have brought up uh, stories like Jason Bakashawa, Steve Passmore, Adam Monroe, guys that have gotten into fine detail. And there's always challenges, obviously. And you have forwards that have three or four lines, depending on what league you're in. But if you're in the professional level, you got four lines. Some extra forwards that battle to get into the lineup defenseman. You got six on a start on the ice for the most part maybe have one or two again in the press box but in net those are two roster spots and it's obviously i would say fairly the toughest position to crack in the national hockey league okay fair enough to say but also the biggest thing is the mental aspect of the game is so imperative now to really instill into the youth because if they can have a strong mental output to you know, put aside that one goal that they let in, or maybe the effects that they're having off the ice uh, with family, which can occur and can affect their game and really focus on using hockey as what it's meant to be put in place for. And that is fun. The last I recall from when I remember being younger, that's what makes you enjoy the game and make those next steps is enjoying the game firsthand. And to enjoy the game, you're going to have to have uh, a clear state of mind, uh, if you will, (laughs) pun intended. And and the big thing is the mental is so huge, Drew, right? And I think you can attest to that. Yeah, I mean, I've you know I played 18 years pro, so that's you know that was a big area uh, that I wanted to focus on. Um, so you know, it's, and it's not just for their goaltending. You know, it's for their schoolwork. It's for you know, this is kids these days have a lot of pressure. Um, you know, with cell phones and social media and everything, so. You know, mental health has become really important, obviously, and uh, it's at the forefront of everything. But uh, yeah, we so we work a lot on that. A lot of it is just trying to find tools that will make you enjoy the game more. Um, you know, I want youth, I want goal, young goalies to to enjoy the position. Um, it's a fun position, but it can also be stressful, and you know, it's, it that brings some goalies 
to not play the position very long. So I want them to enjoy the position. I think they'll enjoy the position when they're in, seeing that they're improving on the ice. They can see that, wow, I'm getting better at this. Uh, and then also just when they can handle pressures, they can, you know, let in a goal and be able to put it behind them. And then, you know, just, just really the biggest thing is finding tools and actually, you know, ways that you can basically, it all comes down to staying in the moment, <laughs> you know, uh, really kind of boring statement, but you, you need to be able to stay in the moment as a goalie. If you're, if you're on a 10 game winning streak, it really doesn't matter. You've got to stop that next shot. If you're, you've lost 10 games in a row, it doesn't matter. You got to stop that next shot. So uh, that's really what the, the game of goaltending comes down to. A lot of goalie people complicate the position more than it should be, I feel. And it's really a pretty simple position. You you know, every single goalie will face adversity because it's just, it's you and the other goalie on your team. And it's a lot of stuff you got to deal with. Definitely. Now, you know what, of course, I was going to bring to you and ask you about what are the challenges that the, uh, that is faced, but obviously the mental health is what we brought up. But besides even that outside of uh, training now compared to how it was from what you can recall, obviously the training has changed tremendously from even never mind from 10, 20 years ago to let alone five years ago, how things have certainly evolved. But outside of the mental health side, what are some challenges on the ice that you notice some goalies uh, face for themselves? Is it the, the I, I remember the T push. I'm not sure if that's a big thing anymore. More. I, that may sound crazy saying that, but is there certain developments that you see that are common traits in these youth uh, that they have to commonly work on, or is it just a matter of every goal is different? Uh, every goal is definitely different. Uh, no, the T push is still something very, uh, you know, very, <laughs> very that we all need to use. And um, yeah, I, I think a good goalie coach uh, just there's no one way to play goaltending, and everybody's different uh, body types. Uh, you know, by how tall you are, just kind of the your stance, your kind of base core in the in the in the nest. But um, I a lot of the game now is trying to stay on your feet. Um, the game used to be just down in the butter, butterfly, be big as possible, and you know now it's it's a fast-paced game. Shooters are so good. You just you try to get from point A to point B on your feet. And then make, you know, then go down. It's, you know, we really tried to eliminate um, sliding all the time. And that's, you know, so that's kind of the thing that the the new age goaltender is uh, really trying to figure out. And really, it's it's old school in a way. <laughs> that's kind of, it's kind of how they used to play. And then it kind of changed. It got into a lot of blocking and uh, uh, sliding and everything. So, you know, it's kind of turning turning back around that way. Uh, see, that's that's great to hear. You know, I like what you said about trying to, uh, you know, bring up the goaltending in PEI. Obviously, uh, the Canadian goaltending, I think we have some good prospects coming up uh, in terms of the National Hockey League. But you know what? Obviously, some flash names before, but hopefully uh, we can have some uh, bigger names come up in the future based on uh, going to your goaltending school and growing that way. That'd be fantastic. But nonetheless, uh, before we even dive into our next topic, I want to just give you the opportunity to plug uh, where listeners can follow you. If you have the social media page or if you have a website, they can check out any videos of sorts. Yeah, thanks. Um, State of Mind Goaltending by Drew McIntyre is the official name. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, and then we uh, just we launched a website this past year. State of Mind Goaltending dot ca so yeah check out we got camps uh camps all summer and you know and then periodically throughout the the winter 
See, there's ways to contact social media is absolutely fantastic to use in today's, especially with networking and great. So definitely check that out on uh, Instagram and on Drew's uh, website. So going to our next topic and we're going to go all over the place with our agenda, with our show. And that's what makes this uh, fun to get into all the different areas that you play with. And I want to actually start with, with you where you most recently actually in Asia, Right. So, you know, keeping track of going to dive into loads of your great hockey story and history, I want to start in Asia because that is fantastic. You won a championship there. You had the opportunity there. I want I want you to dive in and give listeners that background, how it is playing hockey there, how that all happened to you, memories for you that happened there and all the fun stuff. Oh, I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I can articulated it is just such a cool experience uh the people of japan i was in japan the whole time so three yeah. years in japan uh i played with two different teams after my first year i went over to play with the nippon paper cranes um and Fantastic. yeah and we in january they told us that the team was folding after the season so they ended up saving the team they did a big rally we did a cinderella run to the finals we lost in the finals but they it ended up working and they saved the team, but uh, basically the end of, the end of the day the budget was slashed dramatically. So um, I went to our biggest rival and uh, they're called the OG Eagles and I played there for the last two years. So um, so basically if you want to know my life over there, <laughs> I, I often I often tell people. Do you, uh, you know, you're probably too young, but do you remember the movie Mr. Baseball with Tom Selleck? Uh, you know what? I actually did see that movie. I was 10 years old. Fun fact. This was actually brought up in our video game chat recently. So it's funny that you say that. I, I can't reiterate the whole movie to you. <laughs> I would yeah. be able to, It's been a while, but yes, I certainly know the movie. Listeners, that is a movie, I believe, from the early 90s, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. I was born in 91, so I think it was a year or two after that. I can't get the year top of my head, but Tom Selleck, though, absolute beauty, but sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, – so, listeners, uh, if you're interested in what my life in Japan was like, just watch that movie. Uh, he's playing baseball over in Japan, so baseball is much bigger than hockey in Japan. Uh, the, the, the professional baseball league is – awesome and we went we went to a game there once and it was so fun uh such a cool experience so hockey is growing it's not there yet but uh you know besides that the culture and with the way of life they really did a good job in that movie and very uh very accurate so it was me and another import so when i was with the first team that i was on i had an american with me and then when i in og i had a canadian uh with me for the 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 both years, two years. So, so essentially, uh, you go, you would walk in our dressing room in between periods at you know any time, and it's a whole team of Japanese guys, everybody, staff, everyone, and then it's just me and my other buddy uh, over in the corner, and we're sitting there, <laughs> and the coaches speak in Japanese, and we have an interpreter. So the interpreter would essentially just sit in between us, and as the coach is talking he would be like speaking English to us. So like we try to get close to him just so he's not like distracting everyone, but uh, absolute bonkers. Uh, you know, just so, it's so funny to think about, um, you know, people, people just think that's so funny to think about, but uh, such a cool experience. People are just beautiful people, you know, 
they're the hardest working people I've ever played with. My teammates were the hardest working people. So determined and uh, just makes they made they made a but they have a great sense of humor. Very serious, but you know they're joking all the time. Uh, Japanese karaoke out with the guys is uh, is something. To, that's for sure. So any kind of size, some Gangnam style, or is that kind of uh, I know. Oh that. yeah, I've seen I've seen, them, I've seen them drop some Gangnam style or whatever you call it. Uh, yeah, no, we they they like you'll see a serious Japanese guy who like all of you, you know, my my interaction with them is at team meals and at the rink and at the gym and he's just working hard and seeing and then you get him on the karaoke and he's like, just going crazy on the karaoke just singing like britney spears or whatever like it's just the funniest thing ever i could just imagine you know honestly and you have i can just i can picture the time where you and your uh, fellow countrymen are sitting in the dressing room looking at each other saying what the heck is he talking about oh yeah Yeah, (laughs) they're just trying to hold it in (laughs) yeah and the coaching is way different uh so really weird fact uh my first team was owned by a paper company and I moved to our biggest rival and they're our biggest rival also because they were the only other team that was owned by a paper company. So basically these guys come out of college and they get a job with the paper company, but these guys basically have a job for life with this paper company. But right now their job is to be a hockey player with the paper company. But at any point, the team could the the paper the paper company could say hey you're no longer a hockey player you move here to our offices and then they work in the factory or they work depending on their education level they work in the factory or they work in the offices or it's just the crazy you know so i I worked with a paper company the last three years so let me get this straight and i hope i I imagine you'll get this reference i know a lot of listeners will obviously so basically like a dunder mifflin kind of thing michael scott and all that kind of thing is with you my mind is that did that ever cross your mind did you feel like i'm the michael scott or the dwight schrute of the team at all <laughs> well funny fact is that that's basically my favorite show of all time so oh, i love that <laughs> uh yeah is yeah like we we would do events at the comp at the paper factory and yeah it's crazy like these guys work there their whole lives like they just front right out of college until they retire they're you know they're and some of them play hockey until they're like 42 years old or something because it's just that's their job you know so uh yeah pretty pretty crazy kind of it's just different world the hockey hockey world is uh really different over there the coaching is you know it's uh really just that's where they're behind uh you know i love my coaches that i had I, the two coaches that i had but you know their their skill and their speed if you came to a practice of ours you would be blown away you would be like these guys are amazing like their skill and their speed is crazy uh they just you know the concepts the coaching they just it's really the grassroots they just need to bring it you know uh at a i went to a one or two like youth practices and you know you can just see the difference we're so lucky in canada it's just it's our novice practices are you know really well done and you know hockey canada does such a good job so that's really just the the difference 
See, the one thing, and speaking of difference quickly about this too, is that we were told all these different stories of guests that we've had about the craziness of fans in just Europe in general. Uh, a lot of this was obviously towards, you know, there's Germany, there's England, and obviously with Brooksy bringing up his time uh, in England and with Martin St-Pierre when he brought up his Bon Jovi uh, references that fans are singing to him on the while he was on the ice. But when I with going where you played, how you mentioned obviously the coaching and the development, that's where a lot of it is behind in Canada, and I can certainly understand that. But even with the fans, are I would say European fans are better than sometimes North American fans in a different way, and that's no offense to North American fans. There's a lot of passionate hockey fan bases out there and cities and towns throughout North America. But how was the fan base where you were from? Was it was there a great deal of fans, a great attendance, or did they just get really involved, or how was it there for that? Yeah, so that's where, you know, that was the big difference. I came from Germany and Slovakia, which is, you know, nuts. Like, you can't yeah. even can't even hear yourself think at these games like i can't even it's hard to even communicate to your like as a goalie to communicate to your defense because it's just so loud like wow it's crazy so it's so much fun so that was that was kind of the part that you know i i was totally thankful and i'm so glad that i went to japan um but i that was the part that it wasn't as fun uh you know the atmospheres just weren't the same uh nothing crazy numbers wise a couple thousand but like very reserved like they'd be clapping when we score where you know where you're used to like people going crazy when we score uh so very reserved people that way which which doesn't really make sense because in baseball they go bonkers like they you know they're it's super loud there they're singing and dancing the whole time so yeah like i remember my very first second like my very first shift in europe I was playing in the KHL and it was like an exhibition game at like the first week of August. I was in the KHL with Prague, uh, Czech Republic, and we played an exhibition game in Lugano in Switzerland. I move, they rim the puck. I go behind the net to get the rim and I jump up like, like I thought there was a bomb. Like I, I stopped playing. I missed the rim and I like stopped and somebody threw a firecracker at me and it like went off right by my head. And I like, and I get up and nobody even reacted. The play is just going. And I'm just like, that was my welcome to Europe. I was just like, this place is like, these guys are crazy. This is an, ex- this is an, exhibition, game. This is an exhibition game in August. And like, I just got a firecracker thrown in my head. My goodness, Matt, I would have said, no, I'm out. <laughs> Which I'm out. I'm out. I'm going. Put me. Send me back home. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, pretty funny. <laughs> no, see, and you know what? Obviously, you know, playing in there in Asia, I, I believe one day that the hockey may get to a different level there. But you know, obviously, Canada is continu- continuously evolving and uh, getting better. And hopefully, you know, with the great to hear those stories about the hockey development, how it is a uh, corners of the globe game, and it's it's awesome to see all the involvement. Uh, with the fans that they certainly get into. But that is probably the craziest fan story that I've heard on the show at this point, throwing a firecracker at you. Like I said, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this wasn't even, you know, this wasn't a playoff. I can't imagine what they do in playoff series. And, you know, if they, if the goalie's like the best goalie in the league or something, like they didn't even know me. This was like an exhibition game in August. <laughs> anyway. Definitely. Like you got to go watch. <laughs> 
to the rink with with bodyguards around to make sure they <laughs> pumped. Because <laughs> yeah, there's some stories in Europe that I'm sure that you've heard with people having having to go up to get their money and they're standing beside people that have guns sticking out like big machine guns. I'm sure you've heard some uh, stories involving that. But nonetheless, yeah. you're yeah. gonna definitely gonna backtrack here a little bit now. Now we're going a little bit way backer, if you will, way backer. It's not even really proper English, but let's continue. <laughs> with that uh i want to talk about the qmjhl and the nhl draft day for you obviously uh firstly i want to go through with uh sherbrooke where you spent four seasons right like uh, a great deal of time there those there must have been some good experiences memories of players that you played with in particular uh you did play with some notable guys there like a particular pa parent though and uh but those years in junior really shape out uh, kind of, if you, if you will, a late teens development as he pursues the National Hockey League. So uh, sticking kind of with the cue first before going into that draft day before you uh, had your name selected, uh, what, do you, what can you get into about Sherbrooke? I'm sure you have some great memories with having four seasons there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's um, – I've worked with a lot of young guys, guys going into the draft now, and I was kind of saying that, that we're, I was telling one of my guys there yesterday that it's – you know, very seldom do you ever get to stay with the same team in your whole junior career because usually, you know, they rebuild and they sell the farm and, you know, they go for it and whatnot. So uh, that's kind of the junior cycle, especially in the queue. But um, I moved away when I was 15 and I actually moved to Ontario. I, uh, I moved to uh, Trenton, Ontario to play with the Trenton Sting for a season. I was 15 years old playing junior A, so I was playing up, you know, against 20-year-olds. So that really got me ready. Um, this was back in the day when, from PEI, we didn't have a Quebec League team at the time. So I was I had the choice where I wanted to go. I could have went to the OHL, WHL, or Q. Um, everybody kind of thought I was going to the OHL, and there's parts of the year where I thought I was going to go to the OHL. But I had a deadline that I had to kind of declare where I was going, and really I was ranked higher, and there was just more interest, it seemed, in the Q. So... Uh, I was, I was, you know, the first kind of like the first rank goalie. So it was, it was that kind of stuff just grabbed me. And a couple of the teams that were the most interested were teams around the Maritimes. So I thought that would be amazing living in the Maritimes, like close to my home. So uh, anyway, long story short, I get drafted by a team that said that, you know, showed no interest, uh, Sherbrooke and, I get there on day one. They go to put me in my billet. I'm a first-round pick, thinking, oh, I'm going to get a get a great billet. They throw me in a billet that's completely French. I don't know a word of French. She doesn't know it's a mom and her, you know, like a single mom with her daughter. And they don't know one word of English. And I'm just like, we just, I don't, you know, I think back to it now, and I'm like, how did we do that, you know? But her brother spoke English, so he would come over for the first month, probably every night or every second night, just to kind of help us figure life out. But so that was that was a rude awakening. That was kind of a tough uh, start, but uh, it was a really cool experience. I'm really glad, you know, I, we had really crappy teams, which gave me a lot of work. Got to play all the time. Um, really, nothing crazy happened uh, in my career far as being on good teams or anything but um i had a goalie coach that really just kind of he turned me into a professional goalie basically his uh his name is stefan wait um he after our four years together in sherbrooke he went right to the chicago blackhawks 
ended up winning two Stanley Cups with the Chicago Blackhawks with goalies that had a lot of question marks. And, you know, he did an amazing job there. Then he went to the Montreal Canadiens and worked with Carey Price the last bunch of years before he got relieved this year, uh, mid-season. So. Yeah, you know what? And you know what? Sitting here while we're talking about him, I did give him a quick little Google search, if you will. And obviously, uh, you know, 2013 to obviously March 2nd, 2021. So it was fairly recent, is where he was involved uh, with the, with goalie coaching and being a member of the Hawks. It was in 2010, 2013. So it was the Canadians from 2013, as I mentioned. So a lot of time that he had, that he certainly spent there, and to have a goaltending coach devote that to you. And I know a lot of people would think, why wouldn't you maybe want to request a trade out or, or maybe look at an opportunity of winning a championship. But if you have the opportunity to play every game and get that development at, uh, at your time of where you're getting prepared for the professional level, and to especially work with someone like Stefan, it's, it must've certainly been uh, somebody who you can consider as uh, the most influential person in your career as a goalie coach, or is that, uh, or there must be a lot of people I'm sure that you can name. Yeah. I'm sure that's yeah. a big, uh, big piece of your career pie if you will yeah i mean if you know at that stage of the game that was you know that was make it or break it you know he i needed to and you know young goalies they they don't have forever to kind of show their stuff they have a little little window to show their stuff and that kind of shows them if they're going to be a professional or they're not so uh yeah he he was there for the most uh, beneficial times i've had he was definitely a huge part of my career, and you know, I I say he turned me into a professional goalie. So, um, and he was there. He's just a good friend. I remember I uh, my wedding. I ended up getting married at you know pretty young, 23 years old, and I remember he was doing a camp, like getting guys ready. Like he worked with all the NHL guys before they went to training camp, and he was doing a camp, and he drove through the night and made it in time for my wedding. So you know, it just shows like. It was more than just a goalie coach relationship. He he showed me, you know, that a goalie coach is is a friend as well. So uh, that was really cool. But I've been so lucky that like, the goalie coaches, like I've had some of the best in the game, are, have been my goalie coaches uh, throughout my career. Some for not very long, and some for you know a couple of years. So uh, I've been able to kind of had a good education as, as far as that's concerned. Definitely. And you had to, like, there's an opportunity where that was obviously a big part, but as you got on, you had a lot of people that you were certainly a part of, but nonetheless, you have your name get called in the, well, in the draft uh, as a fourth round pick to the Detroit Red Wings in the 2001 uh, NHL draft. And fun fact for uh, listeners on this show uh, that we've had now had three goaltenders from the 2001 NHL draft on the show. That's Jason Bakashua, Adam Monroe, and now, of course, uh, Drew. And a fun little fact, another player that we had on the show that was drafted in 2001 is Mike Sigamanis. So there's something about this show uh, that when you're drafted in 2001 that we uh, get you on the show. So if you've ever been drafted <laughs> 2001 and you want to come on a, a sports podcast show we are certainly uh your number one stop but besides that jokes aside you get your name uh, get the call uh, from detroit i i don't know if you, you grew up a red wings fan or what team you cheered on growing up but was detroit a uh, kind of on your radar a lot or what can you get into about your draft story because that's certainly one of the traditions here on the show we like to know where you were for your draft uh what what uh, what happened when you got the call or if you were at the draft physically meetings with coaches players what can you recall from uh, the draft that year 
yeah, I did the whole shebang. I did, you know, the prep, the testing and uh, uh, all the stuff, the interviews and everything. And then I, uh, I did uh, our draft is in Florida. The Panthers were hosting. So I actually went. Um, we thought that I thought that I had a good chance of going on the first day. So back then it was the first three rounds on day one. Uh, and then the remainder was the second day. So our goal was to go the first day. And I really thought I had a good chance. I, I didn't. So I was, you know, a little disappointed that night. Um, but I remember sitting there that night and looking at the fourth round and Detroit was definitely one of the teams that I, I thought would, you know, my agent, I definitely thought that they'd be drafting a goalie. So, uh, so pumped to get called to them. Um, at the time, they were like, it, they were like in a dynasty. You know, they were, they were the best team. Like, you know, amazing from top to bottom. Um, I get down there, um, walk down on the on the floor and go to the table. And the first guy that shakes my hand, it's actually my 18th birthday that day. Uh, so I get down there, and the first guy that shakes my hand is Scotty Bowman. And he just shakes my hand and says, uh, happy birthday. And, uh, you know, so pretty classy guy to, you know, even notice that and, uh, you know, make sure he acknowledged it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't think he was using Wikipedia or Elite Prospects or HockeyDB. And, yes, maybe both those things can send me the – you know, I can send them the bill for giving them the plug here on the show. But nonetheless, uh, you, you, you have – like to, for him to have that research, I'm not surprised. The things that we have heard about Scotty Bowman, there's a reason why he is arguably, if not fair enough to say, foregone conclusion that he's the best coach of all time. Yeah. Uh, I know there's a lot of coaches that have been had some big, uh, obviously, impacts in the professional level and just hockey overall. But for him to know that and for you to be drafted on your birthday, your 18th birthday, uh, that that did you after the draft, you know, did you have a nice couple salpatory uh, mocktails or should I say did you have beverages <laughs> yeah, here? Uh, no no I didn't I uh I was there with my family and uh I I you know what it, crazy thing is is a couple of days earlier my aunt and my uncle uh and uh his uh and her daughter they came down to Florida and they got married so we <laughs> a couple of days before the draft I think it was before it might have been after but I think it was before uh, we did a little like I was I think I was best man or something. So it was it was a long time ago, but uh, so yeah we we had a little family trip out of it. But but right away it was like they were like okay next week uh, you're coming to Detroit and you know I heard that it was pretty intense uh, training and everything and I was so I knew I uh, I wasn't in the best shape at that time so I knew I was uh, about to get my butt kicked. <laughs> you know, in Detroit, like you said, dynasty at that time. And from being a youth, I can recall telling you how much I disliked the Red Wings. Uh, growing up a Leaf fan, still am a Leaf fan. People say I'm a sucker for pain, if you will. <laughs> Taking my host hat off for a second and stating that, uh, that's which obviously yeah, you know, that's the year. Right? <laughs> 2021's year. Every year's the year. <laughs> if it doesn't happen in 2021, there uh, might be a little issue. But uh, you have. Uh, being inside Detroit, like you said, just a fantastic organization overall. And you start into uh, your career transitioning into the professional level and kind of dives us into our next topic, which I think would be more of our bigger topic that we'll get into because it's really going to dive to your playing days 
in North America. But there's the East Coast, the AHL, the transitions to the NHL. Uh, and we'll try to go in order as best we can here. But obviously, there is no agenda really to follow for it. But starts in Toledo and Grand Rapids, a few up and downs for a few seasons. Now you're a young goaltender uh, battling for your spot, an organization that Jimmy Howard coming up, Joy McDonald at the time. And let's all forget some killer skating prospects at the time, too. Uh, Yuri Hoodler, Kyle Quincy. You know, speaking of state of mind, if you will, how was your mental uh, mindset right out of the gate entering the professional level? You said how crazy you got, you know, your ass kicked in your training camp. You had that exposure. But as it developed, uh, how did how did your mindset stay strong uh, to really maintain confidence in the crease? Because you did do extremely well in that American Hockey League level, especially with some competition that you had in your early stages. Yeah, no, thanks. I, uh, it was it was a really cool place to get drafted, like you know, from from day one when I go to training camp. Uh, it, I think I did probably five or six training camps. At, you know, three of them were as junior and then as a pro for my three year entry level deal. So um, training camps were insane. Like I'm sitting in in dress rooms with Dominic Hasek, Chris Osgood, Curtis Joseph. Manny Legacy, like Brendan Shanahan, Brad Hall, like it was insane. Like all they were a dream team at the time. So like training camp there was just like, and we do tournaments. Like uh, they basically split it up into four teams, and it was like a, that's basically what training camp was every year. It was just a tournament, and it was so fun. Like it was just like step up, you know, you're a kid, you gotta step up. You're playing with like the best you'll never play against better competition in your life really you know even if even if i had made the nhl regularly like these are the best players so so it was pretty cool but at the same time it was it was a tough place to go because i remember my first year pro they they sent me down and what ken holland said to me was you're only going to get up here if you can help us win a stanley cup <laughs> you know because that was their goal and uh, you know that's a lot to say to a 20 year old just because, you know, but it, it was true. Like, I, you know, you see goalies now they're 20 years old and they're getting a chance in their first year or two. But, you know, back then they were so, they were so good. Like you're only getting up if you're going to help us win a Stanley cup. So um, year one went really tough. Uh, I had a lot of adversity. Uh, I played 11 games and then ended up having two surgeries. I had one surgery, did my whole recovery. Uh, and then when I was about to get back, I realized it wasn't fixed yet. And they had to, so I had a hernia surgery on one side and then I put the pads on for the very first day, three months, almost three months into my recovery. And they realized they had to do the other side as well. So my season was done. Uh, it was a blessing because I went home and met a girl and, uh, while I was sitting on, you know, I was sitting on the couch, couldn't do a thing. And I ended up meeting a girl and she ended up being my wife. So that was, that was <laughs> awesome. Um, and then, really, when I came back, I'm a year into it, thinking, okay, I still got two years left of my deal, lots of time. Uh, they signed Jimmy Howard. And uh, it was basically like, all right, well, I got to, you know, do the best I can here and try to show that I'm a pro goalie. So, uh, so spent some time in the East Coast League, but went to an awesome town. Uh, you want to go to a hockey town, you go to Toledo, Ohio. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. 
like in your GEA and your stats for when you played, especially in the American Hockey League, when you went up into the National Hockey League, I already stated in my introduction what your GEA was in the National Hockey League in six games, 2.41. You obviously did a good job keeping the puck out of the net. And you said, obviously, you battled back from injury. You, Jimmy Howard gets signed. And you can look at that. If you look at that Grand Rapids Griffins uh, team from 05-06, which I know is in between kind of obviously the lockout and what was going on in the National Hockey League at that time. But crowd increased. You know, man. Legacy played a game. Howard played 38. You played 13. McDonald played 32. Osgood played three games that game, or that year, I should say. And of course, I pulled that up from uh, Hockey DB. I don't have that in the top of my head, just not to creep anybody out. But nonetheless, you you're in you're inside a team and organizations already alluded to that's ex- extremely doing ex- very well, and they did well and made the playoffs so well into the tens until when the when the streak stopped and the, the teams that were part in those early thousands when Shanahan was there, Luke Robitaille, Lindstrom, Brad Hall, the list, Stevie Y, and just the list goes on and on. And Brooksy, obviously, as listeners know, as a former professional player, you play with them and obviously played inside that Grand Rapids organization where I think you played with him at that time. Would that be where you played with Brooksy? Do I have that right? No, I actually, uh, my next stop was Manitoba, and that's where Brooks and I played. Uh, oh, okay. I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure we avoided each other, uh, Grand Rapids. I oh. think we played against, I think I played against him when he was in Grand Rapids. Uh, okay. But he was with me, uh, he was with me in uh, Manitoba. So that was, that was my next stop. So I did my three years. I fell into some loophole. Don't ask me the details. I, I, I'm still curious to this day what this loophole was that I fell into, but because of my games played and my age and everything, and because of that lockout that year, my three-year do- deal turned into a four-year deal, my entry-level deal. So the the Wings didn't want me. Like I, my time was up. They had Jimmy Howard. Like uh, they were they were gone. Like I, there was no spot for me. They had somebody else coming in and. Uh, so basically I spent the whole summer trying to find somewhere else to play. I was essentially, I had a job, but I was essentially, I was going to the East Coast League unless somebody would trade for me. Uh, on my way to Detroit training camp, driving there, uh, I got a call and, um, Vancouver traded for me. So I went to, I went there and that's kind of where I, you know, really established myself, uh, at that level. Yeah, definitely. Now, we can dive into that between Manitoba and Vancouver, where, you know, with Manitoba, we should have shared this right off the introduction as well. You're sharing the crease there with the moose himself. Uh, you all had. You had a great year you, yourself. You had, you had 41 games and 46 games, respectively. And, you, you know, that's obviously inside Manitoba. There was a team that uh, that obviously and you play with Rick uh, Ripken as well, who obviously, you know, God rest his soul. Obviously, Brooksy had a very big fight with him, one of the top 10 fights of all time, I believe, if I'm correct, or top 15 based on TSN. But you play in Manitoba. Kind of want to dive into that and how that mojo really started to kick in for you, if you will. And going to Vancouver after Roberto Alongo gets hurt and you get called up for your first game and you get a chance to go in the crease uh, in the game. Go through those those two experiences, uh, in particular with that time where you do get the time in between the crease. Are you just shitting your pants? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, Manitoba. Like you, uh, you look at my teams that I've played with. I've been really lucky. Like the top organizations in the AHL, and uh, they were they were amazing. Like it was the more, it was it was an NHL. We were playing in an NHL city, and you know it fan, we packed 
packed MTS center. Like it was the funnest place to play. It was so cool. Um, I think if you look back at my career, basically my best hockey that I've always played has been in Canada. So, you know, I played with them and I played with the Bulldogs and I played with the Marlies and, you know, had a lot of success with all three, but, um, it was such a cool organization, such good people. They're all with the Jets now, basically. Like everybody just moved up, and it's not surprising. They're all they're all NHL type people. So um, awesome place. Uh, was really I really started my first year nothing special. Like I was on my I was on my ninth life. Like I was I was I was on my way out. And uh, Rick Saint Croix, the goalie coach, who later in the story plays a huge role again. Uh, he He's the reason why that got me to Toronto because he was at the time the goalie coach of Toronto. But uh, he was the goalie coach of the Moose at the time and he really helped me a, a lot. He helped me kind of, he stuck with me. He saw something in me and I ended up turning my season around and it really went really well from there. Um, got into the game in Vancouver. Um, I remember... It was in San Jose, and there the goalies have the back of goalies sit across the like across the rink. So I'm <laughs> I don't even remember, but I I think I vaguely remember somebody like coming over and to, like I saw it coming, like we were getting pumped. And those teams in San Jose at that time were unreal, and that building is so loud. So for me to get in there, uh, yeah, mid mid game, I think it was in the second period. Sometime it was. It was pretty nerve wracking, and then frigging Joe Thornton gets us gets a breakaway, and he decides to do a slap shot on a breakaway. So that was my first NHL goal: was a Joe Thornton slap shot, top cheese. Were you like, "Fuck you, Jumbo"? <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I didn't think he'd do it. I saw him raise a stick, and I thought, "This is a fake. He's trying to fake this kid out." But no, he he had the marbles to go top cheese, so. Good on him. Oh, uh, no, that's, you know, got to have a little bit of respect, Joe. Come on. Yeah. Before Greyhound, they got to represent the Sioux. Now that's yeah. what we do from the Sioux, actually. We definitely, somebody from the Sioux would certainly do that, actually. But obviously, he's not from the Sioux, but playing here, you get that kind of Sioux in you. So yeah. definitely, yeah, as he's a player. But you get that time in Vancouver. And in between that, Obviously, there's Milwaukee, there's Chicago, there's Hamilton, and obviously, uh, we're getting to everything that we can here uh, without going in order, as I mentioned. But in between all that, you do go to Rochester. Uh, you get just over 20 games of Rochester, and you get the call up to Buffalo. Uh, in between all that, after Vancouver uh, and the Joe Thornton clap bomb on a breakaway, uh, how did it like all happen to transition between Chicago, then go over to the Buffalo organization in general, and then get the call up to play in Buffalo because at the time I know Lindy Ruff I believe was still the coach at the time if I'm correct uh, at the time wasn't he I believe yeah yeah he was so you know you have a team there in Buffalo who at the time was very had a lot of young talent right Cody Hodgson Tyler Myers yeah right like a very young a very good team, a potentially a team for you to grow with and be there. I know Ryan Miller was there at the time, obviously, because he was yeah. there forever. So in between all that, after Vancouver and in between, starting in Buffalo, uh, just get into some stuff about that. Yeah, so uh, Milwaukee went really well. It was an awesome year after uh, my two years in Vancouver. I mean, to sum up these years, it's uh, – I. 
enjoyed I had success with those teams, but they always had somebody young coming up. Uh, Corey Schneider in Vancouver, Mark Dekinich in Nashville, uh, Eddie Pasquale in Atlanta, and uh, yeah, so it was just you know it was just it became clear my the knock on me was that I didn't have NHL experience um, every free agency, so I'd be, I'd become a free agent all the time. July first was always a nerve wracking day exciting day too but you know then i'd hear i'd hear well you don't have nhl experience and i'm just begging these guys i'm just like boys how do i get nhl experience if you won't give me give it to me so so that was you know i still hadn't started a game and that was that was my knock uh yeah lots of success in the nhl but you know big question mark is is the nhl experience so that was that was what really drove me uh just really wanted it and that was kind of that was what chase that was what I chased for it wasn't signed with the team that offers me the most money it was the situation that would get me in the NHL uh you know I thought I had it in really all those teams I thought I had it in Nashville and then I I really thought I had it in Atlanta they gave me a two-year deal and I really thought that was it but the second year kind of got sour they uh I mean, not sour, it just, it, it was a numbers game. They decided to go with the young guy. I started the first game of the year with the Wolves, Chicago Wolves, and I get a call. We lost, and the next morning, my agent calls and says, uh, you're, you're now the third. They're going to keep you as a third-string goalie, and they're going to, you're not going to play until you get traded. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> like, so I did that for, like, half a season. I was, like, I was getting dressed in, like, the op- another room, like, it was just pain. Like, it was just tough, tough year. Like, half year. And then they, the team was really struggling, and they finally gave me a chance. Like, nobody was trading for me because I wasn't playing. And then uh, they kind of had no choice but to play me, and I really, you know, I went on a tear. And uh, and then, thankfully, they were true to my their word, and I got traded to Hamilton, and that was one of the funnest times of my career. Uh, we almost won it. We came so close, uh, lost a heartbreaker on a tough call, uh, game seven with about a minute left. Um, oh, that sucks. Oh, I couldn't have yeah. final yeah. minute. No, that haunt your dreams forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a really horrible call, uh, with a minute left. Um, we, we were down three zip in the series and we came back to tie the series one game six in overtime and, you know, we felt like there was no stopping us. We were going to do it. And a uh, tie game with a minute left, and a guy came down and uh, shot. I covered it, and I, I'm telling you, I had it completely covered for a good I, – I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it, but if I felt like it was a good – a full second at least. And the guy basically slid into me and pushed me in the net, and they called it a goal. So it was a tough way to lose. Uh, but – yeah, and then I, it brought me to Buffalo. Uh, you know, it's it's easy to say now that you know you're you get these you get these calls on these July first, and you know you're sitting there, you're just pacing back and forth, you're talking to your agent, you're talking to your wife. You know, like we got this, this, this. Like it's great to have options, but it's tough to make the right call in like in minutes. You know, it's like they need you to decide and. You know, at the time, that was the team that was, you know, they were kind of really, they were saying all the right things. They they said enough things to bring me there. They were starting the season in Europe. Uh, so I was going to start the season with them as, like, 
third goalie. And uh, they had a young guy, Jonas Enroth, who they said I could challenge, but really I didn't get it. I didn't get a challenge. It was it was his job the whole time. Uh, but I thought I would, uh, you know, be able to get called up and stuff. But it was it was a crappy year. That was kind of my probably my toughest season. Uh, just one thing after another. And uh, anyway, that and then I I I was really disappointed there. But uh, because that was the year that Pugula came in, so they spent a ton of money, and you know I was really excited to get there, but. Anyway, it didn't work out, um, and I decided to go over to the KHL after the season uh, with an expansion team in the in the Russian leagues. Just uh, you know, I had been getting offers for a few years and turned them down, turned them down because I felt like I was just a step away. You know, I was that number three guy on all these teams, and I just thought I was uh, so close to the NHL that I wanted to keep going. And finally, that frustrating year just kind of pushed me to give you give the KHL a try see what what I don't understand too and like we're gonna dive into the Toronto organization which I'm pretty excited to get into about with you because obviously my fan background but just always curious about Toronto's but Toronto's organization but you had such and I'm not just saying this because you're a guest we I was talking to Brooksy about this I was also talking to my girlfriend about before doing the show um, who has gotten way more passionate about following hockey since being with me of course but you have the numbers that you had in the American Hockey League and it makes no sense it's almost like if I want to give you a player comparison to something, like if I had to give you a forward example to listeners, I almost want to say a Corey Locke. And the reason why I want to say that, because there's Corey, who was an absolute, a previous guest of the show, by the way, not a big deal. But besides that, he was an absolute stud in the American Hockey League. And Jerry D put a very interesting tweet out about it, where he was stating where he wasn't goals, the amount of goals that he got, but he only had this many minutes, let alone games, in the National Hockey League, not getting that fair opportunity. And seeing your numbers, like we could sit here and I don't want to bring up saying the what ifs or, you know, how something could have happened a different way or let's go. I wish I could invent a time machine for you and go back because, you, you, you know, honestly, everything happened and worked out for you. You know, you're able to be, travel to different teams and, you know, see the world in a different perspective. And I'm sure you absolutely have no regrets. But if you look at your numbers, it just doesn't make sense why you wouldn't have been called up. And I'm sure you've gotten that a lot. I'm sure it kind of, you know, look, you probably think of it the same way in a sense because almost seems like what else could you have done <laughs> that you didn't do, right? You're breaking records, the American Hockey League with numbers and the GAA, the save percentage. You have a .922 save percentage and goaltenders that are hitting the .922 pluses on average – is extremely impressive. So, you know, I'm not just saying this because you're a guest that I uh, that we're newly acquainted friends. I'm flat out telling you, because I'm an honest guy, that your numbers doesn't make sense to the amount of NHL games that you played because you shouldn't have gotten a f- more for fair opportunity. So, before we jump into the Toronto organization, uh, th- that just doesn't make sense why you wouldn't have gotten the call for more games. Uh, uh, that means a lot. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. yeah. It was it was what was pushing me. It was what was uh, you know it was like somebody telling you that you're you know that you can't do it, and it's like yes I can. You know I yeah. you know we can say all we want. Like I I don't I'm not a guy. I believe things happen for a reason. I I was I don't sit here and think what ifs and complain or anything. It was uh it was super frustrating, and you know that's why that was kind of what was chasing me. Uh, 
what I was chasing. I mean, it, you know, wasn't the, like I said, wasn't to make as much money. It was, you know, trying to get in that, in that league just to, sh- just cause after a while it just became a thing like, all right, I got to just, I just want to show myself there just to, cause I, I had success against a lot of goalies who were going up there every month and having success. So, you know, I was, I knew I could do it. Um, at the end of the day, I, I know that I got my game to be an NHL goalie. Like, am, am I an NHL goalie? No, I, you know, I didn't make it full time. Got a, got some cups of coffee, but, uh, you know, I didn't make it full time, but I, I know I got my game to be an NHL goalie. So, you know, that, that, that makes me feel a little better, but, um, yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, I was able to turn this into a career and I made a career of being that reliable number three guy. And, you know, my phone would ring when it was July 1st in free agency. So I'm uh, very thankful for that. And then to be able to play as long as I did, I couldn't be more thankful. So. Oh, for sure. And that's where, you know, we'll jump into Toronto. and We're going to dive into your time in Toronto. Then uh, before we wrap up the show, we'll do a quick back tour uh, with your international play in, in, in Europe. Before we get to our bonus questions, which is always fun. And there's only going to be one bonus question, and I'll let you know what a bonus question is when we get to that point. Again, reminding listeners, this is David McKaig, solo here uh, for this special edition upload with Drew McIntyre, presented by Little Caesars Pizza, powered by the game, entertainment, and media. Certainly, hopefully, you're enjoying the show. Make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the platforms that the Game Sports Show provides. But, of course, jumping into t- to Toronto quickly slash briefly, you know, Within the Leafs organization, you play with multiple guys who are part of that roster: Morgan Riley, Jake Gardner. Uh, you also play with Ziggy Manitz, as I mentioned, who you've had on the sh- who we've had on the show, and also a guy named Greg McCaig. Uh, and the reason why I mentioned this is because, first off, Leaf fans, fun fact: we got Zach Hyman, and I say we because speaking on behalf of Leaf Nation, uh, Zach Hyman got traded from Florida to Toronto for Greg McCaig. Fun fact, and of course, my last name is is McKeg, but he spells it a hell of a lot cooler than I do. So, but the main thing I want to dive into here is TJ Brennan for a second, okay? Maybe a different route, but you were able to be front row center in the crease in one of the seasons where he had 25 goals in the 72-point season by a defenseman. What the hell happened? What separated him from the league at this point? So that's one of your – I want to dive into Toronto about that and just your overall feeling of where you had that walk-on tryout in Toronto. Uh, I believe it was a professional trial contract that you had. Then you signed a contract with the Leafs uh, that ultimately led to another one-year two-way contract. But we'll get in that momentarily. So those two points, TJ Brennan signing in Toronto. Yeah, TJ, I wrote, I wrote his coattails for a couple of years. He uh... – we actually played together in Rochester and then, uh, you know, he was, uh, I thought he was on his way to play, to be a regular with Buffalo. Uh, I was there, I was up with Buffalo, I think for his first NHL game. Uh, anyway. Um, and then we got rekindled, uh, in Toronto. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, fun fact about TJ, he bought me a suit. He, uh, so you put money on the board sometimes. Uh, you know, you put money up when you're playing your old team or whatever, and you know, the money goes towards the team pot. One day, he just randomly goes on the board and says, suit for the guy who gets the game puck or whatever the thing we were doing. I get the game puck, and I, I'm like, what? What's going on? <laughs> anyway, 
The next day off, he like brings me to this tailor and buys me a frigging suit. And I'm ta- I'm telling you, like a nice one, like like probably my nicest suit. <laughs> anyway, the guy's a legend. I I love him. Uh, his what his shot was ridiculous. Uh, you know him on the power play, like his his like snapshot, like to face him all the time in practice and then his one timer like and he had he he had it all. I mean he you know, his defensive play I guess is what didn't get him in the NHL regularly, but I mean I he was awesome defensively to me. Uh you know, he did it I loved I loved it when he was on the ice, put it that way. If uh, if he was a liability in any way I you know, I would not want him out there. But yeah, I, I loved when he was out in front of me and he was a, he was a great teammate. I bet. And then Toronto is where you actually get into and you play your first NHL game. You finally get that start. And I'm happy it was Toronto that gave you that first start. I wish it was maybe uh, a little bit longer, especially because the 2013 uh, year um, (laughs) fans don't obviously they do remember but this was the year after that if i remember correctly where you got the start after that so i believe it was after that uh legendary boston game if you will so you you do get a chance in toronto to play but again another crowded crease there right they invested in bernier which i don't always agree with that trade because i felt reimer was always a good enough fit because look at what he did the year prior but other, it doesn't matter. Obviously, it's whatever. I feel it, yourself and Reimer would have been a great tandem for Toronto that season. And they, they had David Clarkson that year where they invested. He got suspended at the beginning of the year. It's just been an absolute roller coaster up until obviously this point. But you get the chance in Toronto. I'm sure that looking back and you play two games there total and uh, you get you had a good numbers there again and your starts in Toronto. So and I know fans loved you. I remember watching the crease and they loved your pads, the Marlies. You always got compliments on your pads. But what's going through your mind where you finally get that name and you get your name called, sorry, for your first shot and start in the National Hockey League? Yeah, it was uh, the whole, the whole, really, the whole time Toronto brings back a lot of emotions. Uh, you know, I thought it was done. I, I went over the KHL, broke my ankle, got bought out, uh, was at home for a month and a half, couldn't get a job anywhere in hockey. Like, I'm saying, I was trying to go to the East Coast League, the United League. Like, I was just so hungry to redeem myself after that uh, Rochester Buffalo year. Um, I knew I had a lot left, you know, I was only like 26 at the time, 27, something like that. Uh, yeah, I think 27. Anyway, I was hungry to do something. Uh, actually, no, I'm wrong. I was 28, I guess. So anyway, um, I, I went down these coast league finally after a month and a half, stayed there for a month and a half, couldn't get anywhere in the AHL. Like, you know, I guess I was there, they all had their prospects and whatnot and, uh, Anyway, it took an injury. Uh, one night I was sitting in a hotel in Reading, Pennsylvania with my two daughters and my wife living in a hotel. And I uh, I saw that Reimer got hurt. And the goalie coach was my friend, uh, Rick St. Croix, from my time in Manitoba. I sent him, a, sent him an email or text right there. And the next morning I get a call. I go to practice and I get a call. And I'm going right to Toronto. So I remember getting our loading up our... Uh, our truck and I'm telling you we couldn't fit one more thing in there we had a baby like our our youngest was a baby at the time so uh, it was a really that first game 
getting to play, you know, getting called up and Dallas Eakins actually, you know, giving me the start like the next game and we won. And, you know, the whole time was, it was just a, a really emotional time because uh, it was just fun to kind of redeem myself. And then uh, that next year, so my second year, I re-signed after that year and that second year went really well. Uh, we almost did it. We lost game seven again. Um, but that start, that was, that was special. Um, I was with them for that whole collapse. So Bernie, oh. I think I was with them. I don't know. You probably know the stats where they lost, I don't know how many games in a row. Like they were, I, I joined the team and they were comfortably in a playoff spot, like talking about going on a run. And then they lose like every game for, I don't know. I felt like it was like 10 games and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was the big collapse. So, and then they missed the playoffs. So, so it was it was really frustrating because again, I knew that I could help this team. Like Rhymes is a really good friend of mine. Uh, we got really close. Our wives are close. Uh, uh, an amazing human. Uh, but you know, the team was struggling. Like we we're struggling. We we're reeling, and you know, I I knew that I could help them. <laughs> I I just knew that I could go in there and win a game and. Anyway, I, I didn't get the chance. Carlisle just kept going for Rhymes, and anyway, that's fine. Um, I again get the kind of saying that I don't have NHL experience, uh, so it was t- they didn't feel comfortable throwing me into that high pressure situation. But uh, so that was really frustrating. And then the the day that we get mathematically eliminated, uh, we're in Florida, and the next night they give me the start. So it was it was it was an amazing moment. It was it was tough that it wasn't like it was a meaningless game and, you know, we really didn't play very well. Uh, it was, it was frustrating in that sense, but it was really cool. I was 30 years old getting my first starts, you know, after all the ups and downs. And it was really funny in the national anthem. I, I look up, uh, I look up at the flags and right beside it is a 2001 uh, draft uh, flag. So I kind of had to chuckle. I was like, holy cow, last time I was in this building, I was getting drafted. So, yeah, that's 12, a full circle. Yeah, definitely. 12 years later, so it was pretty cool. That is absolutely unbelievable. Now, you know, obviously, I envy that you got to don that jersey, uh, but you at least you finally got the shot. And I think that's hilarious how you just mentioned there you looked up and full circle how that came around. That still kind of gives me a little shivers where you kind of said, <laughs> you know what, it all it yeah. all worked out and went to this raid but obviously after toronto there was charlotte and there was time uh that you spent with rockford and then you went back overseas for the remainder of your career so uh, kind of diving into our last topic here of course uh do you from between going to charlotte and then i don't even we've already talked about of course where you played in japan so kind of midpoint of that from Charlotte till Zolvlin. I cannot pronounce names. In TV <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't even, sometimes oh. I feel bad for saying names, uh, but nonetheless, uh, you talk about those times, maybe after you knew after a couple seasons between Charlotte and Rockford, what gave you that ultimate decision? Say, okay, you know what? I'm done in North America. Let's go explore Europe because you know what that some people look at that saying, you know, I maybe didn't have the opportunity anymore in North America, but I think of it as a, as a great new door opening in Europe because you're able to see 
the world. So many friends of mine have played overseas, uh, and especially a lot of people love Switzerland and Italy are the two ones I've heard nothing but great things about. But obviously, you have an experience as the KHL, Dell, Austria, Slovakia. It must have all been great after you left North America. Yeah, it was. Uh, so I we had that feeling. So I, I was lucky enough to go to the Spengler Cup my two years in uh, Charlotte. So after after Toronto, um, they had Sparks and Gibson come in. So they, you know, I was I was shown the door um, and I went to Charlotte and my two years there, I was so privileged to be able to play with Team Canada at Spengler and uh, yeah. Switzerland. So really, it was really just that, like spending those two Christmases and the two tournaments there it opened up some more doors. I always had kind of European options, but I was chasing, I was chasing the NHL and, you know, and also we had a good life, like, you know, living in Toronto with our family was close. Like it was awesome for my girls uh, that went to school there and everything. So, um, you know, and then we loved it in Charlotte. Charlotte was an amazing place to live and we loved it there. Um, But we really, yeah, we kind of had the Europe, bug uh we thought it'd be a really cool life experience great experience for my girls we had friends that we had played with for a long time that were over there and just you know just loving it and doing really well uh so i was open to it that whole you know that that year and uh at uh, i got traded to rockford at the deadline and while i was sitting there living in a hotel in rockford i i actually signed a contract to go to germany I signed a two-year deal for really good money and like really good situation with an amazing organization. Uh, they were called the Hamburg Freezers, uh, Northern Germany, and we were just so pumped to go there. So we felt so lucky to go there. And uh, the owner was the owner. He he's the owner of the LA Kings. He owned two teams in the league: Berlin, which is like one of the biggest, and then Hamburg, which is another one of the biggest. But we're sitting there in the summer. We had our girls signed up for international school. Like, couldn't have been more excited to get there. Middle of the summer, or start of the summer, we get a call and the team folded. So <laughs> the team folds out of nowhere. I'd never, you know, I wasn't able to, I had my equipment ordered. Like, I, I wasn't able to play a game. And so I'm sitting there with no job. And, you know, a lot of the jobs are all taken. Uh, so I couldn't get a job anywhere. I'm sitting there. It's October now. I'm still like didn't have a job so I I ended up my buddy was coaching in the KHL with in Croatia so I went there uh, did did well there and then um, their team kind of some crazy money problems the team was going bankrupt basically so I had like around Christmas they basically sold all the players to all the teams so <laughs> it was it was quite an experience so I went to Germany uh I, so I, you know, came back to Germany without ever being in Germany, but came back to Germany and uh, I was there that year, did really well uh, with Mannheim, uh, one of the top places to go. And then uh, same thing the next year, it's October and I still couldn't get a job. It's really hard for import goalies over there uh, when you're an import because they only have certain, every league's different, but you're only allowed to have a certain amount of import spots and some teams don't tell me why. Like, I, don't ask me why, sorry. Like, I don't get it. It's the most important position. You'd think that every team would want to have import goalies. 
yep. but they don't want to use the import spots in goalie, so it's really hard to get jobs over there. So that's why I was really pumped about that Hamburg job. But so uh, I ended up going back to Germany that year, but not until October again. And uh, and then I finished. Our team was junk. We were last place, and at the deadline, I ended up going to a a top team in Slovakia. Finished the year. So uh, Slovakia. Um, and I loved everywhere. So it was awesome. Uh, loved Germany. The atmosphere was at the games. Like it was so professional, and it was just a lot of fun. Um, my family got we. So my family never came over and lived full time there um, because the schooling situation. Like you know, we were signed up in an international school in Hamburg, but that never happened. So uh, it's really hard school wise because my daughters were a little bit older. They weren't like babies, you know. The, they're in school age, so they would come over and do long stretches, like a month and a half at a time, and do homeschool. So it was, and we just explore. Like we had some really cool adventures. So I'm really, really thankful for my post North American uh, career as well as my North American career. But uh, I think probably the the straw that brought me to Asia was uh, we were sitting there in the playoffs in Slovakia. We're in the quarterfinals. You know, we're supposed to beat these guys, no problem. Uh, we're just playing brutal. We lost game three of best seven series. So we're losing the series two to one now. And the GM comes in and uh, comes in after the game and gives us the speech in Slovakian. And I, I had no idea what's going on. So I don't even ask. I was just I was pissed off about the loss. I, I didn't ask. I didn't care. So the next morning I practiced. I just kind of asked one of the guys, I said, hey, well, what did the GM say? <laughs> he said, oh, the GM said that if we lose this series, we're not getting paid for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we still had like two or three paychecks left. Like we had a good chunk of our salary. I was like, I started laughing. I'm like, oh, yeah, funny. He's like, no, honestly, if we lose, we won't get paid. <laughs> anyway, we... We ended up winning that series. We lost. We didn't. We didn't win the championship. We came close, but uh, anyway, it was like that stuff doesn't happen in Japan. If I let in every shot I faced, they'd still pay me every dollar. So uh, it, I became open to the idea because I was getting those offers for a couple of years, and uh, we just kind of. I'm really thankful we had the open mind. Uh, our we were open to going to that part of the world because it was a beautiful experience. See, that is hilarious. And you mentioned the Spangler quickly, so I kind of want to dive in that before we go to our bon quick bonus question. Obviously, playing the Spangler, you have the exposure of donning your country's flag. And, uh, you know, we've, again, on the show, have had so many positive experiences told to us about the feeling of donning your country's jersey. And it must have been rewarding, of course, for you, where when you played – in the Spangler, uh, you had, I think it was a couple of years, right? 2014 you did, uh, 2014, 15 year, 2015, 16, and then 16, 17. So three total years, if I know correctly. And then obviously you did it uh, in the under-18s. So obviously you played three games that first year you were there. Uh, just that overall participation, the honor of wearing your country's flag on your crest, on, on your jersey. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. Hockey Canada is just they do it right, man. They do everything right. They do. Uh, they treat you amazing when you go there. Um, it was always a goal of mine, Spengler Cup. Like everybody watches World Juniors at Christmas, and I was no different. But I, I would also watch the Spengler. Like I just thought it was the coolest event. 
Yeah. It looked like a lot of fun. Um, my year uh, when I was with the Marlies, the the my final season with the Marlies, the, the talk, the rumor was that we were supposed to be the team going over the next year. So that was another, like, I was like, I basically told them, like, I don't care. Like, I want to come back. Like, I want to be back. Like, we loved it in Toronto. And that was icing on the cake. I was like, I want to play in the Spengler Cup. Like, it was just a dream of mine, kind of. Yeah. And luckily, I got a call. Uh, Steve Tambellini called me and when I was with Charlotte. And Ron Francis was the GM, and he was awesome. He let me go both years. Uh, so, it was just, like, you know, the movie Frozen, uh, Anna and Elsa. Like, this town is, like, you just can't believe it. Like it's the most beautiful little town, like mountains, like it's, it's crazy. Like it's the coolest little town and the, the, the city just goes nuts. Like they're partying, like the whole week is just a big crazy party. And like, there's games going on all day and hockey Canada, like they fly your whole family over. Like the meals are unbelievable. Like they just treat you amazing. Every day they had a, a, an event for the families so like we they wanted us to get a you know have an app or something and the families would go do like the coolest things like hiking like go on a sleigh ride in the mountains and like anyway it was just a it was an amazing experience i'm just we my daughters spent three christmases in a row <laughs> in switzerland so i it's funny we always joke like that that year after with they were kind of you know they had quite high expectations for christmas so <laughs> Switzerland's uh, beautiful too. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was just an amazing experience for our family. So really cool. So you know, Drew, I know of course we went a little bit extended with this version that I probably promised you, but you know what? That's the fun. We got into a lot of your career, and it's been fantastic. So we're gonna get to the wrap up portion. And before we always like guests go, there's always one bonus question we ask. It's usually a one worded answer. If you go into a story about it, terrific. If not, totally fine. I kind of put you on the spot with this question. That's why we do these questions. Uh, just kind of throw you off guard on one, and it might cause you to be bit more uh, kind of get into maybe a quick brief 30 second minute story opposed to like a 10 second answer but i want to in terms of putting you on the spot i want to ask you what is your most hilarious memory and or story with with a teammate or teammates outside of the rink (laughs) (laughs) that's right on the spot that is uh, yeah brooksy brooksy might have been there we we would i think our the funnest things we ever did was uh, Mike Keane. Do you remember him? He won three Stanley Cups. Uh, he was he was in the Patrick Waugh trade to Colorado. Uh, he was yeah. with it was him and Patty Patty Patrick Waugh. Yes. So yeah, our our funnest times I think were Super Bowl parties at Keener's house. He he had played in the NHL his whole career he finished he finished his career with Manitoba Moose his hometown and his you know, like he had a mansion like this the show that like the show Cribs could go to his house like it was insane so we would do team parties there and it was like I remember uh just the funnest times ever like we'd play play games in the garage and oh, I was just I think Brooksy was there so <laughs> that was probably our funnest times in our at a, at a anything with our teammates 
Yeah, to see you go to a mansion, watch Super Bowl parties. The times with the boys, there's a lot more, of course, uh, that happen behind the closed doors when you have a teammates and the conversations go on. But it's overall a fun when you have those memories and tales and going to big houses. You can't forget going to somebody's absolute mansion. So can definitely understand that. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, I was going to go with Brooksy's usual question with that uh, because he gets credit for a lot of his questions. He said, who's your most influential uh, person in your career? But I know we touched on a lot of that, so I'm happy you did that so I didn't have to go with that question. And I'm happy I went the direction that I did. So. Uh, it's been a pleasure, my friend, uh, to have you on the show, and I know certainly we plan to have you on in the near future just to continue a conversation, but as well, I know Brooksy actually admitted our recording has been blowing up my phone uh, to ensuring that I said hi to you and also that it's <laughs> to ensure that we do a part two so we'll certainly get you on at some point hopefully even later this summer or later this year uh, in particular when we have the video and kind of the new platform going on it'd be awesome uh, to get you on again in your future and i appreciate you taking the time to come on the show yeah my pleasure man anytime uh yeah it was my privilege thank you very much of course and one last plug for uh state of mind goaltending to remind listeners quick yeah, stateofmindgoaltending.ca. So, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Definitely. Give that a check out. Now, I want to thank everyone for listening again. Make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the platforms of the game and also the game entertainment media, which I remind you is on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Podbean, Podtail, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, thegamesportshow.com. It's quite easy to find it. You can also use Google. You type in the Game Sports Show. We're number one that you find. Number one keyword that I said there. So getting to the conclusion here again, thank you to Drew McIntyre. And also thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in. It's been fun hosting a, for the first time a show uh, in terms of by myself on a special edition. Sometimes it's good to have the full range yourself. And me and Drew, or should I say Drew and I, proper English, had fun the entire show, I would believe. Now, I would like to remind listeners to keep your sick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah.